Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I'm going to introduce, well, to most of you, I guess, the book Gene Keys, which consists of about 64 uh, genetic keys that are supposed to tell you the shadow aspect, the gift aspect, and the Cedic property of your own consciousness. And apparently this relates to the I Ching, which is like a giant mathematical web, or like this uh, symbolic representation of the soul or the mind, according to like uh, mystics from the Orient, I guess. So within this 63rd gene key, the shadow is doubt. And we've heard that before, you know, can you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt? And that's sort of the, the rule that practice of law goes by is, can you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt? Now, that seems relatively arbitrary to me. Um, these societal underpinnings or these understandings, you know, tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? Uh, and that's the Cedic perspective of this gene key is truth. And in between that is the gift portion, which is inquiry. Now, inquiry is sort of like the project I have here. I feel like I am gifted with inquiry, and I'm here to give that gift to people to bridge the gap between their doubts and their lack of understanding in order to maybe come across some form of transcendent truth, hopefully somewhere in there. And of course, we'll go in this with a little more depth, with a little more clarity and transcendence, I suppose, as we go along. And it says it's partnered with the 64th gene key, and it typically isn't partnered uh, to any individual key that is successed by it. But in this case, it is. For instance, you could have the 47th gene key and the 12th gene key and so forth uh, all throughout this this project that has an understanding of what our genetics are supposed to say about our mind and what we're capable of. And this book is rather fascinating. It has a spiritual perspective, but it tends to also plug in a lot of these keys with different hormones that exist within your body. I don't know how they come across this, but apparently there's a biological connection with certain hormones that are to be related to this. I don't know how that is. I haven't broken down into its detail, uh, but hormones do in fact affect you and affect your mind and give you uh, a sense of your world. And, and for this, for the gene key, what I found very interesting was the shadow aspect of it or its lowest form was doubt. You doubt. You. It's, it's very important to doubt. However, it's related to the shadow of the 64th key of confusion. Uh, and it seems that um, doubt is born when you lose touch with an, your imagination and that confusion comes about when you rely too heavily on logic. And so then confusion is related to something like inquiry and inquiry deals with logic. And so doubt and confusion are both related to inquiry and imagination. And you could say that uh, they are both related. Uh, like Albert Einstein said, you know, you can't really have much without the imagination. You know, the power of the imagination is really kind of the source and gift of inquiry. That's the only way you could really arrive at any sort of transcendent truths. And if you don't have enough imagination and you rely solely uh, on logic, it seems then that you're going to doubt everything. And you're, of course, you're going to arrive at confusions because they're all related. You're going to rely so heavily on logic in order to like ameliorate the pressure of your doubt. And that's what happens in philosophy when you go through symbolic logic and you start addressing how you're making these claims. You can write logical statements that are so profoundly wild and wildly detailed. Uh, but what you're doing is you're saying, okay, assume A, some proposition, whatever. A could be anything. Assume A. If A, B, and D, then not E or something like that. If E, not A or C, 
uh, if B, then E, if and only if, not C and A, you know, stuff like this. All these conditionals you could write up that you supply saying, okay, here's the possibility, this is what my argument stands for, this, these are two things that cannot stand, and then here's why, and I supply you with more. And you could just keep going into detail about how, how you are logically deducing why your argument is supposed to make sense. Uh, and so with this uh, comes some sort of clarity, like if you transcend with your inquiry, you must have a little bit of an imagination of what's going on in order to uh, bring yourself into alignment with what's actually what's actually happening in order to gain some clarity over something you can't rely solely on doubt and your own logic that doesn't help you understand or transcend yourself at all and of course you will forever remain doubting uh, your life will be incredibly anxious however there is an angst and a uh, an essential existence criteria for doubt it seems as though as a basic premise there is doubt at the center of all trial. And when lawyers are going through, there is always an insistence that you cannot identify definitely whether or not someone's innocent or guilty. You have to suspend these judgments and thoughts and arrive at them with doubt in your mind first. And in some sense, you must state the truth of whatever it is you're dealing with. And you must say that truth. You must be consistent with the truth. And that's why you swear an oath. And this form of voodoo doesn't work on everybody because most most people that wind up in court, I believe, are probably sociopaths anyway, which is another can of worms, you know, how to deal with this. But, but ultimately, doubt drives us to bring an end to the pressure of our confusion or what we're uh, supposed to come to understand and be illuminated on. And so we're on this path to lead to the truth. And through this truth path, you must inquire. And to inquire would be to repress uh, the need for opinion. Because to have opinion is to get rid of your doubt. But that's not something you should do. Because if you do this and you create dogma and opinion and stuff just to say you have truth, you're an enemy of the truth, actually, when you want to say that you know stuff. So the more, actually, that you embrace the uncertainty of life, uh, the more transcendent you can become. The more you actually feed into the anxiety of this sense of, of needing to release and that you stop you know, just plumbing after and seeking after truth like all the time, you can kind of, uh, you won't stub your toe on the need to create opinion or to show that A uh, through all your arguments. Embrace your own like dogmas, I guess, or your own opinions your own assumptions. I think assumptions are probably most most dominant, creating assumptions over things. Once you stop going after through the need to repress your doubt, you actually start repressing it paradoxically because you become more transcendent at that point and you start actually uh, understanding uh, what the, in the inquiry is supposed to be. So if you're doubting everything, you tend to want to hold on to something. If you're doubting everything else, you project that into yourself and you become suspicious of everything out in the world. But when you become a lot less suspicious about what everything's about, it's because you've actually released the need to seek. And within that, uh, you've embraced the anxiety and you transcend it. And that will end up leading to greater and greater spheres of understanding and truth. So this anxiety is pressuring you and it's sort of driving you. Um, but it's also kind of messing you up. Like this is kind of a bugging, nagging sense that a lot of people have. There's a collective angst in your existence but we're also bound up with everything and everything affects each other everything is bound up within each other 
So there's really nothing to worry about too much, even though things are hairy. But what we have to understand is that we only have to be truly scared of beings. <laughs> the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And really what we're doing is fearing the self. If you fear the self, then really what you're doing is trying to get rid of your fear of the self, which creates opinion and dogma, which creates fear of the self. But if you don't fear the self and you go into it, then you stop fearing it, but you're not repressing it. You're not trying to get rid of the fear and try to release it by seeking. You're simply embracing the fear. So you become a lot more uncomfortable the more you become aware of how much you have actually forgotten your true nature. We are all equally suffering self-doubt. And it seems very paradoxical to me that people who don't try to escape the pressure of this sort of anxious suffering end up escaping it, but people that try to do not. Uh, it seems very paradoxical in that way, but I think that's only because really to gain truth over the universe is to really give into it. There's got to be a sense of faith and a sense of release when it comes to just letting letting it all happen. And that, for some reason, is very hard. Why would something so relaxing and easy be hard, and something hard like truth-seeking and getting control of your logic become very easy for you? To take the easy way out is almost to try, and to not try is to almost, that's almost a difficult point. And that's the paradox. That's so weird, because I keep finding that every day my main preoccupation is the fact that I can't relax. I can't let go. I'm too logical. And yet I know firmly, and I believe solely that I have got to, and that there is always uh, transcendent ideas beyond me. And that's what makes me anxious. I'm trying not to suppress this too, but it's also making me more anxious. And here we go round and around. So in yoga, it's a progression of these logical sequences towards higher spheres of inquiry, and it keeps going. So yoga is about transcendence, and yoga could be about everything. And yoga really is just trying to relax and just observe your own thoughts and be completely present with what's happening. In the Gene Keys, it says that truth is after completion. I am a 12-12 birthday, which is completion. And I believe my main motivation for this after all is I just want to know the truth, for Christ's sakes. I don't want anything else, almost. And what's interesting is I'm pretty gifted in logic. Uh, I'm a high-powered, uh, logical fellow. Uh, but I've come to find out that... Uh, there's a saying that goes, poetry is like the art of saying what can't otherwise be said. And it says logic is followed uh, the more poetic and mysterious it becomes. So the more you follow logic, the more poetic and mysterious it becomes. And I find that uh, poetry kind of escapes logic in a sense, and it becomes quite mysterious the better the, the poetry is, kind of like a Rilke poem or something. Almost as if it's escaping itself. The more you do it, the more you try to escape it. And the less you do it, the less it tries to escape itself, the more it con it's confined. So the more you transcend with logic, the more poetic and mysterious you become. And yes, indeed, poetry is something I'm good at. I, am, I love and embrace poetry. I've been called mysterious, <laughs> random people in my life. So this would make sense. But the funny part of this whole thing is that there is nothing that is not truth. So from the point of view of truth... Uh, this going after this on, from onset as a mission is a bit of a failure through its outset. And there's a quote by the Buddha that says, you must study, discipline yourself, climb and exert yourself to get to the top, only to realize that the answer was there all along before you even began. So is this podcast a failure? Well, you see, I don't know, because we have to always deal with our inquiring nature, because that's the only way that you can tra transcend. But it seems like uh, you could run faster and faster, and you know, only to stand still, kind of like that famous Alice in Wonderland saying. 
in this kingdom, you have to run as fast as you can in order to stay still. And so it says, truth is the eternal moment of the universe, so that you're always in truth, but yet you're always doubting, and then you're inquiring, and you're transcending, and you're giving in to the anxiety, the more you transcend. But if you try to suppress it and get rid of the pressure by seeking, all you have left is doubt. Stop the process of inquiry. And so your anxiety will pile up more and more and more. I think you have a lot more more to be anxious about when that's the case versus going directly uh, into non-seeking and there you shall find. Almost like that Zen saying, stop looking and then you'll find it. And I agree, that's true. That's how things are. But why? That's so weird. This is how it is though. That's, that's true, I guess. And for here, this is, for me, I do this podcast so I could transcend, so I could almost go back and have a data bank on like, oh, I could see what I did here. And this is the kind of a uh, digital marking of my own transcendence and my own doubts. Because here I'm almost confessing that like I don't know much. <laughs> I'm almost trying to see like how full of shit am I when I go back. And honestly, I think I've transcended quite a bit because I firmly embraced and accepted and tried not to suppress the fact that I don't know a lot. And that's what philosophy does. And it really hurts. But I think in the end, um, it should bring you to a point of view that maybe it's okay to relax a lot more and to stop taking yourself so seriously. And this is something our culture has a very difficult time with, to be able to accept yourself in all places and time. Truth is the eternal moment of the universe. We are illuminating this shady place, this shadow of doubt, that truth is bound up with this revelation. I view myself as more of a bridge. I almost like waddling around in the detail and the muck and then create an overall image. That's like a big part of me. I don't know if completion's ever gonna find me. I think I find completion, I think more appropriately in the the inquiry, in the inquiring aspect of my what my gift is. And to truly feel completion would be a total release, but it wouldn't really be a release or it wouldn't be a, a non-amelioration either. It would be more of an, a, a radical acceptance um, that everything belongs here, that everything is deeply bound up and affected by itself. That's like a totalization of the self, I guess. So I think this gene key was rather bewildering, and I thought it was important. That's why I picked it out. I haven't even read all the way through the book. I just I picked this one out because that's the one that seemed to resonate. Uh, it's very important for me, and nonetheless, I think for this podcast and for its own sake, it's very important for this and for the listener here, for you. So I think this was a successful episode. I can't say that I'm a very good yogi because I can't relax very well. That doesn't really matter because every single podcast I do, I'm really just doing yoga. So that concludes this hot yoga session uh, with your sexy um, host, Joshua. And I'm going to let you go into the world. You can try, if you may, to prove beyond a shadow of your own doubts and try to transcend what you think you know. And... And that's it for this one. I'll see you next time.